0: Welcome to Embrance Podcast, episode number 121. This is your host, Sumon Wall. In this episode, I talked to the mayor of running, Bart Yasu. We did chat a while back on episode number 26. Please do go listen to that. And also, I'd like to mention that I will be running BHM 26.2, either half or full year at Birmingham, Alabama. I'm just trying to figure out what I wanted to do post uh lake martin 100. I, i'm still putting a lot of videos the photos all the photos are out go to mruns.com and find a link or a marathon runs facebook page also like to mention that uh, mruns will be out in seven bridges pacing uh, the marathon and also i have a 15 percent discount for all of you who wanted to run the seven bridges marathon the discount code is mruns uh, do register now when the price is very low uh, enjoy this podcast, and uh, we'll see you uh, sometime soon. And thanks for being part of this Imran's podcast community. Quick note on that. I have officially changed the name uh, on the soundcloud from the voice of runners to Emruns podcast i always use that Emruns podcast never use voice of runners so this will help to be consistent with what i what i have always said so anyhow uh, nothing changes but the show itself will now call Emruns podcast and it'll be easier for you to sir enjoy the episode with bart yasu the mayor of running
1: i would like to welcome bart yasu to Emruns podcast Bart and I, we talked uh, a while back, uh, episode number 26. It's almost a hundred episode ago. It's been great uh, to see Bart at uh, Little Rock Marathon. After That's great. <laughs> I saw you announcing I was like, "Oh, there's Bart." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was great talking to you, and uh, great seeing you. You have come off, of, um, you have gone to retirement. Uh, uh, from running, I think you're still the mayor of uh, running, but I, I'm—I don't know if they call you former mayor or the still the mayor or how the, I don't know how that works.
2: Yeah, I still get called the mayor. I I did retire from Runner's World magazine. That I retired from January last year, January 2018. Uh, so that's been official for well over a year. But I still go to some events. I still want to stay connected to the running community, so still go to a few events, do some public speaking, and. uh race announcing and consulting with some races and stuff like that so keeps me busy but uh you know i don't go into the office you know i used to always be in a runner's world office when i wasn't on the road and those days are are over but i still get called the mayor of running you know i don't know where that title came from but it's kind of fun title so yeah
1: i think i heard one of the podcasts how that that all worked out but but definitely um it was great to see you out there because when I heard you retiring, I was like, oh, I don't know what happens to a runner after they retire. I mean, I know you retire from a job, but but I was wondering, you actually retired from running as well. So did you retire from running as well or just a running uh, job?
2: No, I'm still running a little bit. And, uh, you know, I do a couple races here and there. I don't do a lot of races these days. You know, the main thing I needed to do was cut back on travel. You know, I really suffer with this Lyme disease stuff, though what it does your body it really uh it's not conducive to fly around the world like i used to and i had to curtail my running tremendously cut back on everything i do but I'm t- it's hard to uh i struggle traveling these days and i obviously struggle running i wish i could run uh, but it's uh you know you gotta listen to your body and do what i can do if i feel like i can go for a run i go out and do it but most days i don't have that option
1: <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, yeah. And my body's a little too beat up to head out and run. So
1: yeah, I, I can I can relate a little bit of that yeah. one because last week when I ran a hundred mile, my body's pretty much beat up. I didn't I <laughs> I barely made a five miles on Saturday and said that, that's enough for the week.
2: So. Yeah if I'm having a good stretch I'll run hundred miles in over a six week stretch not not in one shot <laughs> I did that stuff years ago but I can't do it anymore so tell us about
1: um as we are talking about you know retirement running retirement you have you've been running for over forty years and uh and uh now you get to that point that you know you know people ask me all the time they say when are you gonna slow down when are you gonna stop so uh. so you know I said I'm st- I felt like I'm, I barely started. As I'm 11 year into uh, running, so so I was like, uh, you know, I'm. I felt like I barely started, you know. But uh, oh. people always wonder, when do I stop or when do I slow down?
2: Yeah. Well, the good thing is, I mean, I hope to be a runner for life, so I hope I can at least run, you know, even if it's only once a week, the rest of my life. I would really like to keep doing that if I can, and I'm fine with just doing three or four miles here and there. But, you know, I get that question a lot, how long can you keep going, and uh, 40-some years takes a toll on your body. Again, Lyme disease took more of a toll on my body than, than all the running miles. But it's just, you have to listen to your body. Some people can keep going. You know, I met that Gene Dykes guy this past weekend in Philadelphia. Gene, at age 70, ran a 254 marathon at age 70. Wow. And you meet someone like this, and you're like, oh, my God, what the man? (laughs) This guy is incredible. I mean, 254 marathon at age 70. And he does ultras. He does it all. Uh, so I, I'm always out there getting inspired by people that keeps me going. Uh, but you know, again, physically I just can't do a lot. So I just do what my body allows me to do. But you know, when I retired from runner's world, I did have a great job at runner's world. Being the chief running officer of runner's world was a great gig and I had it made. I mean, I worked at runner's world 31 years and everyone was shocked that I announced my retirement. You know, why would you retire from a great job? But I said, you know, everything comes to an end at some point. There's an ending everything, mm-hmm. And I just felt it was more uh, my health problems because I just I didn't want to do the job half heartedly. You know, I did it full bore, traveled the world and uh, and spread the, you know, the joy of running and the, what it's all about on a global level. Because Runners World was definitely a global product. We had 19 international offices when I was there, and uh, so I literally went all over the world spreading the joy of running. Definitely. And I had that as, as a job; it was a pretty cool gig. But you know, as I said, I, you know, I realized that uh, you know my age, my health, and uh, the problems I was having, I, I had to step away. And I gave him a year notice when I was going to retire, so we worked it all out at Runner's World. I never wanted to retire from running, but, you know, at some point, what I always say to myself, this is my, what I say to myself. When the, when the pain outweighs the joy, you got to start making adjustments and think, okay, is it really worth it? Uh, nice. uh, you know, I always said I'm, I'm in a lot of pain when I run, but I really get a lot of joy out of it. And I'm in pain if I don't run or whether, you know, the the pain I have is not brought on by running. So not running, I'm still in pain. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I say, OK, if I can get a little bit of joy out of it and I'm going to go out and do it. Just, you know, take it easy and don't run far and stuff like that. I say that to myself all the time when that. When that pain is greater than the joy, or there is no joy and it's all pain, then I will completely step away. But I, I don't want to do that. I really would like to, you know, keep running, even if it is only one, once or twice a week, and it is only three miles each time. You know, you just got to do what you can do.
1: Definitely, that's a that's a really important point, uh, Bart. Uh, you brought that. Uh, last week, uh, you know,
2: <laughs> doing, yeah. their, doing their 100-mile. and <laughs> You get pain no matter If you have the greatest day, if the stars are aligned and you know you just got that perfect flow, there's still pain in 100 miles. Yeah,
1: there's no, no uh, what do you call, skipping pain post-100 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My problem was uh, I had a lot of GI issues and pain everywhere, every part of my body. I could hardly talk. I think my voice is still not there yet. But I felt, you know, after just getting over that and then watching my video now and all the video I took uh, and and my family took, slowly releasing them to M runs, uh, marathon runs on the Facebook. And um, this just brings me joy and the time, the moment, uh, what I have gone through. And it's just I'm not
2: done. I mean, (laughs) Uh so it's just. I mean, if you finish 100, you still got a lot in you because, you know, you can back down to 50 milers, eventually back down to 50 Ks, you know, you still, if you're able to finish a hundred miler, you still got a lot left. So that's, uh,
1: yeah, a lot of time for me, it's a marathon is, uh, just a, just a quick distance in these days, you know? Right. Yeah. I can get, go run a marathon and come home for uh, lunch or something, you know? So oh. <laughs> when do you know, like as a runner, yeah. not, you haven't stopped you mentioned that, I mean how would we know when it's
2: when is the end? Because I, I think you I, I you know, everyone's different. Some people really have endurance, some people really have good recovery. Uh you know, I think it's a lot to do with the way you train and then you know, your body's gonna tell you it's time to back off or eventually, you know, step away from it. And uh but it is all about, you know, I'm I'm hoping you know, 99% of the people out there running are enjoying it and enjoying not only the running itself, but the benefits we get out of running and, you know, just uh, keeping a good body weight and uh, just being outdoors and loving life, you know. So I, I'm, assume, uh, I'm assuming that 99% of the people out there running really enjoy it. So as long as you can keep it fun. You know, a lot of people struggle with after they've been running a while and they start to age, they s- slow down. and Nobody likes to slow down, but that's reality. And uh, some people, that gets them out of the sport because they can't run as fast as they used to run. Hmm. But I never looked at that as being a negative. I mean, that's just reality. So I embrace the slow down and what happens <laughs> when you get older. That's just – it's – what happens, to everyone? It's not unique to me or anyone else. It's just the way it is. So Everything I never let that bother me. But. I mean, every part
1: of your body,
2: you know, regardless, you know,
1: whatever you do, whatever field you're in, it's you're gonna you're gonna slow down, you know. Yes. But um, sometimes my doctor says, you know, as a athlete, they slow down a lot. You may need to want to slow it down. It's like
2: eh, I'm <laughs> not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say, out. I, I would like people to think long term so don't don't get into the sport and try to run a you know a bunch of marathons and then you know a year later you're you wipe yourself out that's not the way I did always look at the sport I wanted to be involved for a long period of time i didn't when I first started i didn't think i was didn't have that mindset I wanted to be a runner for life, but I certainly knew I wanted to be a runner for a long time and uh you know, after you do this stuff a couple of years, you've got a different perspective on things. And at some point I realized, okay, I really want to be a runner for life because I love all the benefits mm-hmm. I get. So I do think that way on all my training runs. Uh, and I do, you know, a lot of the people that I ran with back in the 70s and early 80s that never took it easy. They ran every mile full out. I mean, they pushed every training run. Uh, you know, of course you push during races, but they would even run really fast in training runs. And I was more, you know, I did more distance and certainly did speed work and hill work and tempo runs and all that stuff. But on the easy days, we ran easy. And uh, I find the people that just did, high, you know, real quality, real fast runs all the time, none of them that I know run anymore. None of them. Hmm. Uh, but people that did more long, slow distance stuff, and you know, didn't kill ourselves on every run. We certainly did fast workouts. Uh, but on easy days, we really took it easy. Those are people I find that that I talked mm-hmm. to for forty plus years, fifty plus years, sixty sixty plus years. Uh, so it's amazing. Galloway's uh, Galloway, I think, hit over sixty years that he's been continuously running. Just, 60 yeah. years 60 years and Amby Burfoot, uh gentleman who won the book of course uh jeff galloway was an olympian 1972 and i worked with him at runner's world for many years i've known jeff for 40 plus years just been continuously running 60 years and uh ambie burfoot uh who i worked with at that runner's world for 31 years uh ambie's i think he's a 58 years of continuous running. And you're talking about a guy who won the Boston Marathon. So, I mean, he ran at a very high level and is still out there doing marathons in his 70s and, you know, looks great, runs well, and, you know, he's in deep, he's in great shape. So it can be done. It can be it can done. For a long period of time. But, <laughs> but I can tell you this. Those guys worked in the industry. They really thought long-term. Uh, they don't run nearly as, I mean, not even... When I say they don't run as fast as they used to, they're running probably half the pace they used to be able to run. But they're still out there, and they're still getting joy out of it. They're still part of the community, and they absolutely love it. So those are the people I kind of like to follow and see if I can uh, stay involved in this sport. But again, at a much lower level than I used to do.
1: Definitely. Yeah, one other thing uh, for me is uh, always, very from the probably from the beginning, you know, and I'm a I'm I'm late starter and all. So, so I've I always been a slow training, slow racing, fast. You know, <laughs> people right. people usually used to say, How, where did where did that come from? You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I have no idea. Still goes like that. And, uh, I don't I don't train hard. I'm I'm opposite of training hard, um, and but I do race hard. You know, when there's a race, I'm just gone. So a yep. lot, a lot of time, you know, kind of. Sometimes I look at it as, uh, like you said, benefits me because I am not pushing as hard and I can do so many races, you know. You uh-huh. know, <laughs> at the same time, I'm not training hard to you know get a good time every every race. You know, that's I don't know, I don't know how that all plays out. But listen to you, maybe
2: it plays out well. Yeah, I mean, you know, certainly the first fifteen. 15- Plus years that i did running or actually probably even 20 years you know every race was a race you I ran as hard as i possibly could but i just remember going to a race at some point where i just said okay i'm gonna run a world of these races every weekend i'm not going to be able to run marathons every weekend at a high level so i just mm-hmm. went out and did one you know just for the joy of it didn't push the pace, and i was like wow okay you can do this and uh yeah. you know I did that occasionally, and it was fun to do. Uh, but you know, you gotta you gotta decide what you want to get out of the sport. Do you want to run, you know, a couple of marathons and run them really fast? Do you want to do the world majors and run in every all 50 states? You know, whatever you're gonna do, you really should have a plan that you can accomplish that. Uh, so if you're doing them in all 50 states, it would pay not to, you know, go all out because you you probably run you know, some guys, some some runners do, you know, twenty, twenty five plus marathons a year. So it'd be hard to run all out if you're doing that kind of uh, quantity of marathons.
1: Yeah, I, I'm 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 like a, I do like a twelve to thirteen a year, depending what calendar you look. I think I've done sixteen marathons and ultra marathon in one year. That's, I think, a couple of years I have maxed out on that. But but for me is uh, have taken on pacing like you said so that i don't pace i pace a lot slower than i usually race Uh hour hour and a half yeah or slower, slower than i usually race so usually it's manageable speed for me so so that so that way you know i'm i'm out there like you said <laughs> so that's kind of pacing has kind of helped me to be out there slow down and yeah. w- once in a while i just show up a race i just go fast so you know
2: right my go fast days are over for sure, cause my my I have all these neurological problems on the right side of my body, and my body just won't react. You know, it just doesn't work. But you know, I do go out, do a couple of marathons or half marathons. I mean, I I go as fast as I can go, uh, but it's not fast. And you know, I just can't do the mileage and training. So you know, it's just not going to be, uh, you know, usually. When I do a marathon, I get to about mile twelve, and I'll check my time, and I'll go, "Okay, I used to be finished, and now I have <clears> fourteen miles to go." <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy, but you know, hey, hey. I'm out there, and uh, you know, I make the best of it and try try to keep it as fun as I can.
1: And definitely, that's a that's that's for me. It's a pacing. I usually say, "I'm bringing a sew. so I'm bring so. And I um I, I have a lot of fun pacing, yeah. so 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 I'm headed to London. Uh, that's my next pacing gig. So Oh cool. You used yeah. to pace London, correct?
2: Uh I you know, I've never done London. That's one of the ones I should have done. It always conflict you know, conflicted with Boston a lot of years, so I never should have done London years ago, but I never did it. Uh, now that it's a world major, which is now a big deal, I didn't have the world majors when I was serious about
1: Marathon <laughs> yeah i'm I'm pacing London and Berlin this year, and that that this is oh. my world major, so yeah, so that's the way to do it yeah I pace uh, three out of three out of six now, so wow, uh, so that's uh that's not bad,
2: yeah, that's pretty good and
1: so I get to see the world and view the runners and at the same time slow it down, so
2: yeah, good for you, man that's an awesome way to do it Yes, yeah, definitely you know people out, which is really good. Yeah, get so, to do the race, help people, and you know, accomplish a goal all in one. It's, it's a, good, yes, it's it's win-win situation, as you yeah, say. Yeah,
1: win-win-win. So, yeah, it's a, you know, a lot of time uh, we look at, uh, a lot of time you say, oh, I'm I'm about to pace five thirty, you know, uh, well, for, for last time I paced five five hours, it was one of the race, uh, seven bridges marathon I organized the pacing there. And I didn't mm-hmm. have anybody as yes, like, okay, I don't want to, that was a five-hour group. I wanted to, I didn't, I usually race that race. And I said, okay, I'm just going to go pick a stick and just go pace. And I was not too happy because I had to pace. You know, I couldn't find anybody. I said, okay. But but the amazing thing is for me is like I found people who ran with me and they were so thankful.
2: Yeah, that's good.
1: That's like, <laughs> we we now we keep in touch. And, you know, that's like... Oh right. <laughs> you you think you think like oh who's gonna be there and one lady found me is like I couldn't believe I didn't see anybody in five hours. I want to run now I'm found you and I'm not leaving you and it's like like cool. so so you know it's, it's there's always a runner out there regardless which pace group and they need help, like you said. So
2: Yeah. Well pace pacing has taken a you know, it's now in almost every race. It was a rare thing. I was around when it all started. Uh, Actually, Runner's World really started it back in 1995. We went out to the St. George Marathon, which was known as a fast course, to get people to qualify for Boston 96, which was the 100th running of the Boston Marathon. So we wanted to get as many Runner's World readers into the 100th running of the Boston Marathon, so we came out with this idea to pace people, and uh, it worked, and then we paced a couple more races eventually first big race we paced the runners world pacers was uh chicago in 97
1: Hmm.
2: and then we did rock some of the rock and roll races and then people started doing it on in the old days it was just the runners world pace teams and then uh you know and then people started figuring it out and now there's a lot of pace groups out there which is great because it is a big help to a lot of people
1: Definitely, yeah. I, I do pace for the marathon pacing. And, um, and you know, I go to Chicago and, mm-hmm. yeah, I pace Chicago. I'm, I'm like a permanent 430 pacer now there. So. That's
2: awesome. <laughs> yeah, I pace Chicago in 97 and 98. I did the three hour pace group there yeah. two years. Those are the fast guys. Yeah I, do. yeah. I don't think they do the three hour anymore. I used to be able to run three hour marathon. I could do that every weekend. It was so easy to do. And now it's, uh, things, things change, man. Let me <laughs> I love doing at Chicago. Cause that was, uh, that was really, well, and that looking back, it's a smaller, it's so much smaller than it is now, but we thought it was massive cause there were, I think in 97, it was about, uh, 18,000 runners in the race. And we thought that was massive. Uh, and it was massive for the times.
1: But I mean it's still big, you know, so I mean, it was still big.
2: Thousand these days, it's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, it's pretty big. I mean the the way the corral has set up is different. I think we have seven seven thirty start, eight eight o'clock start and eight thirty start. So right. so this is you know, I feel bad for <laughs> 8.30 eight, eight start because, you know, it's just too long away. This day is the Chicago, I don't know your time. Whenever you ran, uh, how it was. But uh, nowadays, it's a little hot. last several years has been a little hot. Yeah,
2: there has been some warm days. I've been to the race a lot of years. Uh, you know, I've only run it probably a handful of times, but I've probably been to the race 20-plus times. Yeah, I was there a real hot year whenever that was, 2007 or something.
1: Yeah, and that's, yeah. The, yeah that's the year I started, yeah, right before. Oh, yeah.
2: Okay, yeah. <laughs> But they also had some very good weather in Chicago, so it's you
1: know. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's fun, fun race. I love it. So that's why I go back, go go there. It's almost my home hometown now. Once a year, I even know the turns and so- <laughs> all the all the little little little, little what do you call uh, towns and you yeah know, the, the little neighborhoods, the little city. neighborhoods, and you know all those so.
2: It's a fun day. Uh, the city really embraces that race. It's very, very fun. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. So let's uh, let's uh, kind of focus back uh, to our yeah, our, <laughs> yeah. We drift off at an hour. Yeah, on a, on our, oh, uh, this,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. With two runners talking about things they love to do, you know. Uh, so the listeners like, what are they talking? <laughs> uh
2: got to
1: get back on topic yeah if if the listeners if you haven't done chicago you should do it uh, at least right. once you know i just recommend and, and if you need a pacer i'm there Four thirty. yeah i'll be there singing and singing and dancing and hollering so so let's uh let's get back to the topic uh talking about the mm-hmm. running the lifetime running um uh so bart uh like people like me you know we we look at you know I'm, I'm about to get to age 50 you know so you know, a lot of middle-aged or you know, beyond middle-aged. I guess yeah. a man like us. I mean, do we really? Do I really need to slow it down? Do is is you know, even yeah. even if if there is no sign. Okay, I have no sign saying right. I need to slow it down. I, of course, like we said earlier, that it hurts. You know, it's gonna hurt. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna, I'm willing to put training, but looking from your end and all the people and your experience in the industry, tell us. Do I need to slow it down?
2: Well, I think, you know, I would would just be, I wouldn't say so much slow down. I think maybe as you get into your 50s and late 50s, you're probably going to race less than you could in your 40s and 30s. Uh, And that's going to help you long term to stay involved with the sport. And the other thing I suggest, you know, once people have been in the sport, Ten, twelve 12 years, and get up in their 50s, 60s. Cross-training is key. You know, take a day off of running and do the elliptical or go for a bike ride or go for a swim, whatever you can do to keep the fitness up but give your body a break. It's going to keep you in the sport longer. And the other, the two important words when you get up in your 50s, 60s, 70s, strength and flexibility. You have to keep your posture Need that core strength, uh, but you also need the flexibility. Because if you're not flexible, if you just get so stiff, uh, it you just can't you can't keep running. Uh, and that's where I think that I find that people that uh, you know abandon the sport just because it's, it's no fun anymore for them. and they don't like slowing down. But it's not so much what I think. There's the statistical data that shows when you go. You know, if you go to a big marathon, take Chicago as an example because we were just talking about it. Look how many runners there are in the 50 to 54 age group and the 55 to 59 age group and then you go to 60 to 64. and I mean, in the 40s and 50s, it's still pretty good numbers, a lot of people. When you get into the 60s, it drops off tremendously. And in the late 60s, it drops off even more. And then over 70, it's literally uh you'd see a massive drop so that's you know you the the data is there to look at so if you you know want to keep doing this for a long period of time I'm going to suggest that you you know do a couple things so you can keep doing this for a long period of time uh,
1: whatever the, that's a great suggestion Bart uh, I, I think whatever you just mentioned will apply to the young runners uh who's who is uh <laughs> barely starting or wanted to Go further, yeah. you know, if you're in thirties. Yeah.
2: You know, fifties you know, are so far away for you. Yeah. You got yeah. what we call fresh legs, you don't have a lot, you know, you got don't have a lot of miles on your legs, you know. Yeah. Go for it. But you know, when you get to be like me in mid sixties and have well over a hundred thousand miles of running on my legs, you know, there's it's uh <laughs> hundred thousand trust me.
1: Yeah.
2: So so uh, but, but, you know, again, if you want to keep doing this, that's what I suggest to do. Keep that strength and flexibility by going to the gym. Figure out some cross-training that you like to do uh, and that suits you best, whether that's, you know, bike riding, swimming, elliptical, deep uh, running in deep water. I absolutely love. Uh, I You know, you can really keep – flexibility by running you know if i can if i'm ever in a hotel and they have a swimming pool where there's one part of the pool is seven feet or six and a half feet you will always see me in that pool uh running i run in deep water and man it really helps my flexibility and uh there's no pounding and your heart rate goes way up it's awesome
1: so whenever you do the the deep water running that's uh do you wear your shoes or you just run barefoot
2: Barefoot, but I never use a flotation device. You can use a like a, a flotation device around your waist, and it'll keep you afloat. Mm-hmm. I, but I use my body to keep me afloat, and I do. And I I literally do a exaggerated running motion underwater with my arms and my legs. I don't need a flotation device because I do it so quickly that I stay above the water.
1: But you're not running cross the whole pool. You just staying
2: in one. Momentum just takes me across the pool. Got it. And but then if no and then if there's no one in the pool, I will go to an area that's like three feet deep uh-huh. and run, run back and forth in three feet of water. Which Got again, it. then you're actually touching down on your toes and exploding off the ground. But you're in water and you get that buoyancy from the water, and it's very helpful.
1: Got it. That's a that's a that's a great uh, great point. Uh, I've done a little bit of uh, walking are running in the water, but, you know, <laughs> you get in the pool, there's too many people.
2: Yeah, it's hard to do. I, I agree. But occasionally I get that uh, it really works out, or you're at a YMCA and it just, you know, there's not a lot of people and you can do some deep water running. It's an awesome workout.
1: Definitely. I, also, what I have done uh, last uh, four or five years now doing a trail running which is uh which is mm-hmm. low key, you know, slow, you know, your your speed is definitely very slow there, for, you know, for many reasons including, you know, you you gotta watch where you're going. Yeah. Sure. yeah so so yeah, I've done trail running has helped me, I think, to keep keep afloat. That's the only problem is you roll the ankle too often. <laughs> yeah
2: yeah I've done most of my lifetime miles I would say probably sixty to seventy percent somewhere in there of my lifetime miles have been done on trail and uh, I love the soft surface uh I don't ever turn my ankles i i, I don't know I must have strong ankles because I never turn them but uh but I just love trail running. I love the idea that you know a lot of times you Like you said, you don't even think about pace. You just go out there and do it And uh, because it's not like a road where you're checking your per mile pace all the time. And when you're trail running, you know, uphill, downhill, rocky areas, you know, tough single track is going to be slower. So you don't really think about pace so so much as like you do when you're out on the roads. Uh, But I think it's a nice way to, to break things up. And the soft surface is really helpful.
1: Yeah, the one thing I just want to, my listener to understand that uh trail running sometimes is not for everyone. A lot of Yeah. you know, a lot of people don't like it for many reasons. Man. had to deal with anything related to the to the trail trail, though, so yeah. yeah, including you know bugs and critters I, and snakes and I have some. Seen-
2: Really good, uh, really good friends. I mean, really talented road runners that just could never make the transition to trail running. They just couldn't do it. Uh, you know, they just didn't like it. And, you know, they weren't good at it, and they just. I said, "Hey, stick to your strengths. Stay on the road. You're good at it. No
1: problem." <laughs> That's what I said to them. If you don't want to do it, I will never push anybody to trail. Right. All right. And I don't push anybody to running at all, but sure. You know. You know, you have to want to do it. So, and yeah. um, the, but but it, but even there in you know, a trail running, uh, you know, it has its own ups and downs. And and like Gosh. you said, the road like a road running. There is so many trail runnings these days. And uh, my friends, they have burned burned themselves. You know, running so many hundreds, more hundreds than they can handle. Yeah, you know, things like that. So, so it's not a you always have to watch it, I guess, for running, so we don't get burnt.
2: Yeah, yeah, burnout is not good whether it's physical burnout or mental burnout. And uh, I find in uh, you know, a lot of my friends that do 100 mile races and and even now they do these 200 mile races are starting to be popular. (laughs) Yes, I find mental burnout is you know part of the part of the whole situation, you know, if you You've never done a hundred-mile race, so when you do one, you'll you'll find out that uh, you can talk yourself out of out of a race. I mean, you got a lot of hours to do it. You know, even if you're running at the highest level, you still got twelve hours to talk yourself out of doing this race, uh, <laughs> or got twelve hours to keep yourself in the race and keep going. So it's a
1: yeah. Uh, they literally happened to me uh, last uh, week when I was running last weekend, when I was running the weekend before, when I was running Lake Martin 100, yeah. I, I literally decided that I'm not going anymore. Right. That's it. I was like, okay, I'm going to sit down here. I'm not going anywhere. And then they said, okay, let me bring your blanket. Let's You sleep a little bit and wake up and you decide. And then I said, okay. Then I woke up. I was like, okay, let's go. Oh, uh, well, that's good. <laughs> because I was just tired.
2: I, I always tell people they really – if they're really unsure if they want to do 100 miles or even 50 miles, I always tell them, do one of the uh, 24-hour races or a 12-hour race or even a six-hour race you can find, and then see how much distance you cover, and then you're going to get a feel for it. And a lot of those races that, you know, like a 12-hour race, are usually in a, a set area, and then you, you know, so if you're really – realize you are in over your head you can just stop and uh you know it's it's no big deal and then you can find out like okay do i really want to run you know so say you covered uh 40 miles in this 12-hour race then you can look yourself in the mirror and say do i really want to do another 60 miles Do i really have it in me (laughs) you can find out a lot if you're cut out for doing the real long stuff or if you're not cut out for it I, i like those uh Twelve-hour events, you know mm-hmm. for that reason. I think yeah, it brings you know. people into the ultra world, and then they find out if they really like it or if they don't like it. And yeah. So, it's it's right, it's a good format to learn.
1: Definitely. Uh, saying talk about that, that, we have I have a friend who does forty-eight hours, and he's been trying to get me there, <laughs> forty-eight hours oh. run. So that's just out of my league at this time because it's just too much yeah. for me. You know, just um, I cannot. Talking about mental burnout and those those races really. It's a whole yep. I mean, even twelve hours just gets me. You know, I do once a year yeah. to raise money for Nepal, which is coming up in in
2: mm-hmm. May.
1: But uh, but but other than that I don't do any of this timed event. It's just so hard. I've done two of them. Like wow. I've done like a one mile loop for fifty mile, fifty five miles, like, oh man. So <laughs> but wow. but like I said, and if everything is cut out for some, you know, everybody and you know, everybody, not everybody can do what other people can do. That's a, that's one thing yeah, I haven't noticed yes. then. So, yeah. And some friends they love it. That the small loop, that uh, you know, you know exactly where your stuff are, and you can sit down and eat, and you know. So so you know that's one way to keep going and keep keep your longevity. Is to run some of these distance races and and try to figure out, you know, <laughs> if you are cut out for such
2: a thing. Yeah, no, I I agree. You really you really find out what what this what the sport's all about, and then if you want to keep doing it.
1: So so, Bart, uh, so uh, so, looking forward for you uh, for yeah. the, for years to come. So what do you what do you see your role in 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 our run, running community? You've been in part of this community yeah. for. 40, 40 plus years and uh, you continue to be part of it. What's yep. what's your role as you go forward?
2: Yeah, so you know, you said in the beginning, I, I still get called the Mara Running. I don't know whoever gave me that title or coined that uh, title for me, but I've been hearing it for 20 some years. Uh, you know, and when I go to a race, I was just at the uh, Philly Love Run this past weekend. I was working with the Philadelphia Marathon people and uh you know the the running space is it's just so much fun. I had a blast when I was there and met you know some new people just new to the sport, which is kind of cool and you know talked to a lot of my friends that I've known for many many years that are still out there running so i I want to stay connected to the uh, running community uh but you know just on a much smaller scale than I used to with my old job at runner's world so if i can uh if I can go to maybe 10, 12 events a year uh, and, you know, do some of my public speaking, motivational speeches and uh, race announcing and things like that. That's what I'm going to keep doing. i will just see how my health holds up and uh, if I can keep doing that a couple more years, I'd like to keep doing it. But if the doctors want me to back off completely, uh, you know, I'm going to do it. Uh, Let's see what, uh, I really believe in my Lyme doctor and I, you know, I stand by what he what do you suggest I could do? And I did a bunch of treatments last summer, and he told me after I was done with my treatments, he said, "Well I think you can go out and start running again so i did I backed off tremendously while I was doing the treatments. I didn't have a choice actually i was uh, I don't <laughs> think I could have run if I wanted to, but uh but I would go out for a run uh I'd get my treatments these uh bloody radiation treatments, and uh it wiped me out for a couple of days, so I always went for a run. After I had the treatment, because I felt good right afterwards, and then I knew down the you know down the road I was going to be pretty wiped out. So it's kind of funny to leave my leave the doctor's office and go for a run. Probably you know, and then I knew I couldn't run for the next three or four days. But then I'd start to feel better and get out there. And, but when I say you know I went for a run, I was talking three miles, some something like that. But that felt good to do. Definitely,
1: that's that's you know three miles and three miles. So you know. Yeah.
2: Stay together. I'll, you know, I'll continue to to go out there, but again, it, it's at a much smaller scale, and uh, you know, I get to choose where I want to go, and uh, you know, I tend to go to races where I have a great relationship with and friendship with, and but I'm open to anything. You know, I still get I still get invites to go to races all over the world. But, you know, I really I I suggest that you know I give them some advice on who who they should seek uh because I really you know I just can't like I said, I just can't do the travel physically can't do it
1: so one one thing I was uh thinking you you have been suffering with this Lyme disease for a very long time, correct
2: yeah, since nineteen ninety so yeah.
1: so how does uh, uh this kind of disease or in you know, terminal disease for for runners how much does it help to be a endurance athlete to fight this kind of things? you've been fighting for for such a long time i mean you know
2: the emails i receive i receive probably on an average three or four emails every day about lyme disease from total strangers and i don't know if they just if they're just googling lyme disease and they somehow come across me i have no idea how they find me but i get these messages through twitter instagram facebook or they find my email address somewhere and they just send me a message and uh you know, the messages I get from people, people are in such worse shape than I am. And, uh, you know, when I go, when I was going for my treatments last summer, I was getting these treatments weekly. Uh, you know, there were other people in the room I was in that were getting the same treatment and they were suffering pretty badly. And I'll tell you what, they all looked worse than me. And so I, you know, I thank my lucky stars and I, firmly believe that my fitness is what the difference between the people that I would see uh, when I get my treatments and also the people I communicate with uh, that reach out to me you know these people are bedridden and you know it's ruined their life and I know I have friends that uh, I just had someone the other day that from Bethlehem where I live that died from Lyme disease and people going blind and I mean it's amazing what's happening to people so I feel pretty darn lucky. I mean, it's certainly uh problem with me. I contracted it four different times uh, since, since 1990. Hmm. And, uh, and when I got it in 1990, they didn't know what it was. That was the big problem because uh, and I was really sick and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And it's just because uh, Lyme was pretty new at the time and doctors in Pennsylvania weren't thinking Lyme. Uh, But then I told them, you know, when we narrowed it down, when I started getting sick and when I really went downhill, I said, oh, yeah, it was right after I did this race in Connecticut. And as soon as I said the word Connecticut, this doctor just like ran out of the room and he came back with a journal that he had, which was all about Lyme disease. Mm. And, uh, you know, and then they looked for the bullseye. And I had the rash on my neck. So the stars lined up once that. But if I didn't say that word Connecticut, they probably would, <laughs> they would have figured it out. But at that point, I was stumbling around for for three weeks to a month, just sick as a dog, and they couldn't. You know, I thought it was the flu, and then you know, they just kept testing me for everything, and eventually they figured out what it was. But it took a while, and then going untreated for so long has really hurt you.
1: Definitely. So the Lyme disease, uh, is it primarily comes from the ticks or, or is it some yeah, of
2: Yeah, no, it, it is the tick bite that gets you. So it, it has to be the deer tick. In okay. Pennsylvania, we have tons of, the, of the wood tick, they call them. Mm-hmm. You know, really the one you pull off your pets that go in and fill up with blood. Mm-hmm. The tick is so much smaller and they're actually hard to see. Uh, but, you know, once you get bitten, there's... Not everyone gets the rash, but most people do. But that's how I found my four uh, infections, was I got the rash and the bullseye, and then you could actually find the tick bite. And uh, you know, and then you just got to get on the antibiotic, antibiotics right away. Hmm. But yeah. what pr- happens is you don't – it never leaves your system, and you put up residual side effects all the time. Hmm. Uh, but – you know, every time it seems like every time I get it, I get worse and worse and worse. So hopefully I'm never going to contract it again and I can just deal with the problems I have and keep doing what I'm doing. But absolutely, my fitness level helps me and, uh, you know, help me when I got sick and still helps me to this day.
1: Definitely. Sounds like it. Yeah. yeah. Talk about it since uh, since we switched this topic a little bit. I, I was not intended to do that. Uh, yeah. and you've been in this uh, uh you know fighting this and be a lot, now that spring is here and summer is going to be here yeah. tick season is arriving so w- yeah. what is the best way for our running community to especially our, my trail running community to think yeah. about well, going you, out
2: but you got to check for ticks when you're done but the best thing you can do is you know is wear like high socks if it's When I'm running in cooler temperatures, I have socks over my, whatever tights I have on my legs, and so I don't give the ticks a chance to get in anything, but they still can get in your socks or your shoes, you just have to really be cautious. And I was cautious, and I still got it somehow, so when the deer tick is, uh, in the springtime, they are so small, they're the size of a pepper flake, and Mm. you can barely see the things, but and then when I take my shower, man, I really do everything I can to like make sure there's no ticks on me when I wash my arms, legs, my whole body, make sure I check everything. And uh, you know, just hope for the best at that point cuz I don't want to stop running on trails. I really enjoy it. So I hope I can continue doing that.
1: Yeah, I have had that a uh, few times, you know. They're stuck in your thing and you take them out and kill them, so haven't had any symptom or anything like that, but but they are they're there, so they're coming. So they are there, <laughs>
2: no doubt about. It. So, you know, but yeah, you got to just be aware of uh, where you are, and if you are in an area that is known for ticks, then you really got to be cautious. But it it's also the so it is the deer tick, and the deer tick has to be infected with live, So not all deer ticks carry the virus got it. carry lime so just depends like there's areas in Connecticut where they know that like 90% of the deer ticks there carry lime where I am in eastern Pennsylvania it's it's a very high rate right now and that's why there's so many people contracting the disease and and the other thing i always tell people is don't think you have to be in the middle of the woods to get this stuff you can get it in a field in the grass uh you know they call it a deer tick because the ticks do love to to cling on to a deer. Uh, they love that warm deer body and dig in. But they're also in mice, uh, so they're in a lot of high grass areas. Uh, so it's not like you have to go in the wilderness to to find them. They're they're pretty prevalent these days.
1: Well, wow, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Scariously interesting, so But but that shouldn't stop us. Doing what we love to do, running.
2: Uh, we got to do what we love to do. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So, life so is it's... short if you live a full life, man. So you better be doing what you love to do. <laughs> Definitely.
1: And Bart, uh, we talked so much about so many different things. Uh, uh, especially the last topic that you struggle. Um, and and uh, you know, if if you didn't have that uh, struggle, probably you would have been much different. I guess I don't know what what would would have been even you. But you still made a great over the years, and you know you have done a great job in the running community even after your retirement you're you're out there uh, before we close our interview. Just kind of give us a words of advice uh your motivational thought for people to go out and continue to do what they love and and continue sure. to run and inspire you, you themselves and others,
2: yeah, so. Every run I do, the first thing I say to myself is, Matt, before I take one step, you know, I, whether it's a race or a training run, whatever kind of run I do, I just, I always thank, you know, I'm very thankful that I'm able to do what we do. We can never take our running for granted because there's a lot of people that never have the opportunity to do what we do. We are physically able to do this and we are lucky to have that so I always say that to myself and then uh, I always say how lucky we are to uh, culturally do this that uh, you can walk out your door and run free and uh, you know I've been I've traveled the world and it's not that way everywhere so we, uh, Mm. we have it pretty good so I you know when I think of how lucky we are to have our freedoms and to you know, you're allowed to run wherever you want to run. And, uh, you know, we're physically able to do it. That's the mindset to have. And then, uh, and then everything else is good after you start that run. Uh, but you know, and the other thing is to, when I left my job at runner's world after 31 years, people asked me, you know, what message I would like to leave to the running community before I walk out of my office. And I did so many media interviews and, uh, what it, what i came down to is i i wanted runners to realize how inspiring they are they were inspiring to me they inspire others and most there's a lot of people that don't realize how many people they inspire because they're just out there running and they love it and they do these races and but there's always somebody watching you whether it's a neighbor or someone that you know from work or and uh you know runners tend to be uh you know, they, they are inspirational and some never realize it. So I always want people to remember how inspiring they are and share your story, share your journey, how you got into the sport and what you get out of it. Share it with others because you'll, you'll get people hooked on the sport and it'll change their life all to the better.
1: Definitely, Bart. To validate your statement, my life has changed for better from running. So, yeah, there the, you go. Uh, you know, I don't know what where, where I would have been, or what I would, where, where I would have landed if I, if it was not running, that first yeah. step I took, and continue running for almost 12 years now. So, so definitely, I like it. So definitely, thanks, thanks for your time, and oh. uh, hope to catch up with you, and sure. uh, enjoy uh, your, your retirement from the <laughs> runners world. But I think you are not retired. Ready to retire anytime soon?
2: Yeah, I didn't retire from running or the running community, but I did retire from running Thank you. All right, thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Runs podcast.
0: Please visit emrans.com to listen to our previous podcast episodes, links to our social media channels, get race photos, get discount codes, and more.